When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, Fightful.com Managing Editor. It is technically September 17th. I am live in Orlando. My webcam is straight duty, but it is my duty to bring you the Fightful Boxing Podcast. I am joined by Fightful.com's lead boxing writer, Carlos Torre. You can check out his work all week long on the on uh, Fightful.com, especially that Fightful boxing newsletter that drops on Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning, rather. Carlos, uh, this was a huge night. I mean, absolutely. And listen, we're not just talking about, you know, the Canel Triple G, like oh, all We're of talking boxing. about Billy Joe Saunders' kid yeah. punching the guy in the wiener. <laughs> yeah, hey, maybe that was the advantage. Maybe that's how Billy Joe Saunders won. Got the, drew the first blood, and that's how Billy Joe Saunders retained his title. So, yes. hey, we're, we're, we'll, I'll talk, definitely talk about the Billy Joe Saunders fight. There was a really good fight in the Philippines. Uh, in the morning, at least from where I was, that is a top 10 fight of the year uh, towards the end if we have time. But uh, yeah, super, super day for boxing. And, th- and that was even before Canelo Triple G even started. So, man, I'm excited. So obviously the talk of this evening right now is Adelaide Bird and this scorecard. Now, boxing's got some real momentum right now, Carlos. And, and as I mentioned to you, I, w- I was like, man, if could you imagine if just we had Joshua versus Klitschko too and Horn versus Pacquiao too to add on to this as well? But tonight, Triple G and Canelo lived up to their end of the bargain. It looks like they're going to be living up to their end of the bargain yet again because of one Adelaide Bird. Yeah, I mean, and for those of you that are just joining us, so the fight ended in a split draw. So one judge had a 115-113 in favor of Golovkin. One had a 114-114 a draw. And Adelaide Bird had a 118-110 Canelo. And that is now the talk of it. Everybody not really upset that it was a draw, but that Adelaide Bird gave such a horrendous scorecard. 118-110, like I can't even imagine how you could give only two rounds to Triple G. I get it. Look. I wouldn't mind if, you know, Canelo would win on some people's scorecards. I've seen some scorecards, and there were a lot of really close rounds. So maybe a 115-113 in favor of Canelo, I'm fine with that. Maybe 116-112. But anything above that, you you really need to watch that fight closely. Or actually watch the fight to begin with, because it doesn't look like she watched that fight at all. For MMA fans who maybe are unfamiliar with Adelaide Bird's repeated judging gaps she's the one who gave melvin gillard the 30 27 over jamie varner several years ago that raised a lot of eyebrows and this has happened over and over and over again what is it do you think it is about this one judge this one woman who has been criticized so much she i mean she judged him in mason 2006 i don't even know how long she's been judging uh boxing but this seems to happen with her more than anybody in the sport and as you know, as we say, if people know your name and you're a judge, that's probably a bad thing. 
It really was. And, and the judging, you know, the, the judging selection for this fight was actually a big talking point because it wasn't just Adelaide Bird that some people had their eyebrows raised. It was um, Dave Moretti, who has been known to heavily favor Canelo Alvarez in fights outside of the one uh, gun, um, Mayweather fight that Canelo had a couple of years ago. But yeah, I mean, when you, it was a recipe for disaster potentially when you combine Adelaide Bird and Dave Moretti in a Canelo Alvarez fight, like Lofkin already had a stacked deck. And as far as Adelaide Bird is concerned, I, I just don't know what is up with her. I, I don't I mean, I have not read, you know, what her judging criteria is. I mean, I guess maybe it's that she really, really loved those few moments where Canelo was on the offensive because especially early on in the fight, it did look like Canelo was hitting the crispier, harder punches, but he just didn't throw enough of them. Golovkin was a way more active fighter, especially in the early going. And, I mean, towards the end of the championship rounds, Canelo did win, you know, the 10th, 11th, 12th round in my book. And I scored a 114-114 draw, but it was simply a, a... It was a matter of, like, where on earth do you give the rounds where Golovkin clearly won to Canelo, and that's been the and, – and I was talking to you uh, off the air right before we went on the air. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, Adelaide Bird was the only judge to get uh, – to have Canelo losing when Jumir Canelo Khan. fought – yeah, Jameer Khan, May 2016. Uh, the other two judges, I forget who they were, they had a 49-46 and 48-47, while Adelaide Bird had – Amir Khan of uh, 48-47 by the time Canelo knocked him out in the fifth round, in the sixth round, I should say. So I don't know what it's up with Adelaide Bird, but it's, it's another, you know, great fight that a lot of people are going to talk about more with the judging, not because of the fight itself. I mean, you can find threads, like, on Boxing Forum 24 and stuff like that from, like, a decade ago where people were saying Adelaide Bird should never judge another fight ever. So that, that should tell you in what regard she is held and how controversial and unpredictable is really the word for it, how unpredictable she's been. And that's across MMA and boxing. You see UFC President Dana White saying, NSAC, this is BS. I'm sure he's going to have uh, plenty to say. He actually skipped tonight's UFC Pittsburgh that we'll be covering on Tuesday's Holy Smokes MMA podcast to attend Triple G and Canelo. Also there, Carlos, Vince McMahon. Oh, man. Fun, fun fact, Adelaide Bird uh, scored Kevin Owens versus Vince McMahon uh, in favor of Vince McMahon. <laughs> but uh, what, oh, what, yeah, I'll you, what I'll ask you, as far as pound-for-pound pound boxers, pound-for-pound uh, pound in the world, does this change a thing because it's a split draw? You know, I, I don't know if it changes anything. I mean – for a lot of these people, Canelo, Triple G, they were already top five, top three in the respective list. I don't think they, I don't think it would change. I think if you were to go to like Dan Rayfield's uh, boxing uh, rankings or my boxing rankings in the uh, in the following newsletter on Thursday, I, I really don't think that I'll see any change because this fight was really, really close. And for the first half of it, Golovkin was the more way more active fighter because it looked like Canelo was starting to tire a little bit but toward the championship rounds the last three rounds the canelo caught a second win and then he started to land more punching he's starting to move forward he start 
He stopped going to the ropes as often as he did midway through the fight, which I thought that was a highly questionable uh, move to do it so often. It's, you know, I guess you can do it maybe a few times and then tell Golovkin, hey, you want me on the ropes and you're not going to do anything to me. And it was mind games at first, but then it just started to get a little ridiculous. And Canelo's corner, at, some, at one point, they even said, like, look, you got to stop doing this. You've got to start attacking. And Canelo did, and that's where he started winning the rounds. Yeah, round one was kind of inactive. Round two saw the pace picked up more. Round three, Triple G got aggressive really early, started to open up. Round four is when we start to see Canelo seeming very comfortable, like almost unusually comfortable up against the ropes. And this, this, this was a recurring theme throughout the fight, Carlos. It, it really was. And, and I did kind of question not just Canelo's, uh, Canelo going to the ropes a lot, but also at the start when Gennady, when Gennady Golovkin didn't really fire a lot of shots the first time Canelo went to the ropes. He was maybe threw a couple of punches here and there, but he was in, but Canelo was in the exact same position uh, on the ropes with his hands, you know, kind of like this, uh, where you kind of left the chin wide open for Triple G to throw shots in. And that was the only time where Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. got any offense in was Canelo was in the, when Canelo was on the ropes, and Canelo had his hands up like this, and you saw uh, Chavez Jr. land those uppercuts to the chin, splitting the defense. And I didn't really see Golovkin do that at first. And I thought, this, this, you're not going to get a chance like that. But during sound, he did get plenty of chances to attack Canelo on the ropes. I don't know why Canelo thought that was a smart idea. Also, something has to be said for the jaw of Triple G. My God, had any other boxer in the world anywhere near that weight class, taking some of those clean shots from Canelo, uh, they'd, be, they'd be down for the, the old 10-second tan. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've seen that punch knockout, guys, so many times. We were talking about the, the Amir Khan fight, that, uh, that kind of shot that Canelo was throwing to Golovkin, that was the type of shot that knocked out Amir Khan, and a lot of people thought that was a knockout of the year. And... The way Golovkin just not just ate that, he was like he would he didn't he didn't stagger, he didn't, you know, look surprised. He he was happy. He was like, all right, you're all right, you're finally fighting. Now I want this. It it actually kind of I thought that it motivated Golovkin even more, and that's when I kind of saw the action pick up, you know, at its highest. And the, for the course of twelve rounds, no round was really a boring round, and I think that was. And I thought that was a fantastic fight overall. And the fact that, you know, we didn't get, we didn't get um, Marvin, Marvin Hagler versus Tommy Hearns 2, per se, and that it was two absolute, uh, two guys going at 100 miles per hour. But it was pretty close at times. And I thought this type of fight, it was the best version of the fight we could honestly ask for. It was a fantastic fight. Uh, I loved the fight. There was that right overhand that I think it was Triple G landed and man just obliterated Canelo but Canelo just shook it off he acted like he didn't well at least portrayed that he didn't feel a thing like this what, what do you think was going through the mind of Canelo Alvarez as he's eating those shots and he's shaking his head no you know when when a fighter 
and, and I'm sure you've seen this a ton in the UFC. When a fighter lands his best shot and your opponent just kind of shrugs it off, it does kind of, you know, demoralize you a little bit. Like, it, it doesn't make – you kind of have to rethink your entire strategy. You have to start thinking, wait, what else can I do to, you know, to get this guy out? We sort of saw this in the Mayweather-McGregor fight where McGregor early on in the first round landed a really, really hard uppercut to Mayweather. Mayweather just shrugged it off. And, you know, it, you know in hindsight, that was kind of the end of the fight. There, you know, you look at it and thought, there was no way McGregor is going to be Mayweather. If, May, if Mayweather could take that type of shot and walk away – and we and normally when you kind of take that shot, uh, when you throw that kind of shot and you don't do much damage, you now start to go for more aggressive punching, not necessarily knockout punches, but you start to throw more punches thinking, okay, if I can't knock this guy out, I might as well try to win the round by being more active. And we saw that towards the last three or four rounds from Canelo. And it's so funny because like in the middle rounds, it really looked like Canelo was... I don't want to say cooked, but it looked like he was he was not even sucking wind, but he was feeling it. Then those late rounds picked up, and he was not. No, I think it was a matter of Canelo catching a second wind, but I did notice that Canelo was kind of um, leaving his mouth open a little bit, like he was trying to breathe through his mouth, not through his nose, midway through the fight, which is very, very odd, because if you were to ask anybody, if, who is more likely to have that happen midway for the fight? You would think Golovkin, because Golovkin has only gone deep into 12 rounds once against Daniel Jacobs. Canelo's been doing this all his life, going to 8, 10, 12 rounds. But I don't know if it was a matter of Canelo. He was trying to go for broke early on, thinking he could win by a knockout, because both guys have predicted knockout inside 10 rounds. But... You know, I think it was midway through the fight when Golovkin was sort of dominating, especially in the eighth, ninth round. I think we kind of saw Canelo try to recharge a little bit, thinking, okay, if I can, you know, survive these, those couple of rounds, 10, 11, 12, I'm going to be way more aggressive. And we did see that because Canelo was, you know, he, he looked fine to me. He didn't look like he was tired. Also, Canelo hit the Pernell Whitaker, like, behind the back punch in a headlock. and. I found this particularly interesting because he sent the ref to Triple G's locker room before the fight to warn him about rabbit punches. Did those types of tactics surprise you from Canelo? No, not at all. And I, I don't want to say that Canelo was, you know, was trying to deliberately throw illegal punches or not. But, you know, when you're thinking about two guys like Canelo and Triple G, you, you know, it's expected to have those kinds of rabbit punches. I'm surprised we only got one. It was, we only got that one instance, but after that, it was clean boxing the entire time. Um, then there was maybe one time where Kenny Bayless w separated the two and told them to watch the heads. Oh, they were they were they were straight up like forehead to forehead, daring each other multiple times throughout yeah. the course of this fight. Yeah, but it wasn't like anything like one guy was coming forward and you were yeah. running the risk of of having an accidental clash of hands, which we did kind of see that a couple of times throughout the card. But in this fight, it was just more like, I'm going to go in, right into your face. I'm going to dare you to do something to me. But it wasn't like 
I'm gonna try to go way too aggressive, and if I accidentally make a cut, oopsies. No, yeah. I think it was just a matter of I think it was just a two alpha males trying to dare each other to give their best, and two guys trying to outdo e each other. And I thought perfect way to kick off a potential rematch or a potential trilogy because that's what because trilogy talks has started to pick up a little bit this weekend de la olla was was saying hey this fight could be a trilogy and you know what the way this first fight started i think we might get a trilogy might get four fights the way that this fight happened yeah if, yeah make uh, this make this many pacquiao versus mark juan manuel market when they got a million fights throughout their entire career yeah when when you got a the first fight, it's a split draw. If they, they split number two and three, you could definitely go a fourth time. Uh, the only thing that would maybe prohibit that is Triple G and his age a little bit. But you, you never know at this point. If, if that's the money fights, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to do that. That The aforementioned uh, rabbit punch, the ref, Triple G, even Canelo's corner didn't like that. The, the, the Purnell Whitaker punch that, that I mentioned. During the middle rounds, it really looked like Canelo like gave up and relented on his jab, whereas Triple G didn't, and that started that started to uh, shine through. But man, Canelo came on so strong at the end. Obviously, they're they're going straight immediate rematch. Yeah, I, I gotta think so because listen, at this point, Golovkin still owns the WBC, WBO, and and. No, not WBO. WBA and IBF titles. And really, he Golovkin technically only has one mandatory challenger in Jermil Charlo for the WBC title. But I'm almost sure knowing uh, WBC president Mauricio Suleiman, he would, he would tell Charlo, listen, we have a potential fantastic second fight. Why don't you, you know, stay on the bench for a little bit until they resolve their issues? And really... This is the best fight they could hope for because, listen, for Golovkin and Canelo, what else do you really have at 160 pounds? You need, as I mentioned, you get Jermel and Charlo, yeah. Charlo, which is a really good fight, but then you also got Billy Joe Saunders Jr., who really he retained his title, but and he handedly beat Willie Monroe Jr. But man, as I as I saw in the Arthur Akaba fight last year, he did not impress me. He, like, Billy Joe Saunders stands no chance of being Canelo nor Triple G. And really, Saunders looked good at times when he fought Willie Monroe Jr., but if that's, if that's the only thing remaining before you get a super unification fight like Terrence Crawford versus Julius Ndongo, I think, they, I think all parties are willing to just allow Canelo and Triple G to go forward with a rematch and maybe even a third fight. How do you think this will play into the, the minds of casual fans? Because we can't pretend like this perception in regards to boxing isn't there. Uh, we saw it with, like, especially the Pacquiao-Bradley fight. Like, this happens, and it happens a lot. And, you know, there's no more Mayweather. Conor McGregor ain't going to be a boxing star. Klitschko, gone. Tyson Fury, you, you said it to me in, in a chat. You could copy and paste. Every Tyson Fury article you've done over the past several years, put them on replay, and you you would be good. There there is no new content. He retires, he gets busted, he tries to come back. That's the case. You got Miguel Cotto looking to hang him up. You got uh you got you got Manny Pacquiao. Well, you know if he would have done a second fight with Horn, that's probably selling out wherever they go. But now you've got Triple G Canelo. My question is though. 
how does a casual fan look at this and say, because you, you know what's going to be said. You know there are going to be those people. There are always those people. Yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, as much as, you know, people will be turned off by the fact that there's crooked referees, uh, crooked judges in the sport, I should say. And listen, the, at times, this sport really is corrupted. A lot of judges should not be licensed to judge any type of fight, not amateur, not professional. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply not even at your local YMCA, but at, at times, you know, you kind of start in the back of your mind, it's like, God, I really want to get into boxing, but how do I know I'm getting the fair result? And that is a, and that is a really good reason why to not, you know, watch boxing. But as we kind of seen time and time again, especially in 2017, that really hasn't affected the sport a whole too much. Because, if, you know, even going all the way back to January, when James Stigel and Bado Jack fought at uh, at Barclays Center, it was the first um, it was the first boxing card uh, I came and, and represented Fightful at. Lots of people were kind of wondering, like, why is this fight a, a scored a majority draw? And you kind of started seeing, like, well, once again, referees are not that good. But then you fast forward to March, Keith Thurman versus Danny Garcia, and that did unbelievable TV numbers, best television numbers still to this day best in the 21st century since Tyson fought in you know 1998 then you saw Horn Pacquiao and that fight did also monster ratings for ESPN that ended controversially and then you fast forward to the Mayweather McGregor prelims and that did that did close that I think it peaked at 3.1 million viewers mm -hmm. on Fox so and I can't even imagine the pay-per-view buys is going to be for this fight. I'm, it's definitely going to be at least a million was, and a quarter. That was my next question because Canelo and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., that, that one surprised. That one popped a million. I don't know that many were expecting a million. Uh, what, how, how, what kind of buy rate do you think this does? Well, for, for the Canelo Chavez fight, I, a million did kind of surprise. I think it finished with 1.2 million, but. I wouldn't say it, it was a complete shocker because Canelo is at the point of his career where you can set him up with the proper opponent and you can and you will make money regardless. And Chavez Jr., for as horrible his career has been since losing the middleweight title to Sergio Martinez, he still carries name recognition in Mexico. And that was still the top two Mexican names fighting. 
for this fight, it's it's really hard to to really guess because we're so we're still technically really really close after Mayweather McGregor, and that's hurt the pay per view buys to to an extent because let's face it. You know, no matter how many great pay-per-view fights are set, um, close together, when people fight, when when there's a fight people want to watch, they, they will spend the money regardless. That being said, it's outside of the Mayweather fight. Canelo's never done two million buys, and Golovkin, you know, when he's headlining pay-per-views, it's not been a it's not been a proven. Thing that he can draw is two pay-per-view drew 150,000 to 175,000. So my my personal guesstimate was somewhere between one and a half and 1.75 million, which I think is still a success in my book because you're still looking at, that is still top five, top 10 all-time pay-per-view buy rate for boxing. And I think that's still a win. It you know There's a lot of things that it did better than the Mayweather-McGregor fight. It sold out T-Mobile Arena within weeks Boxing purists, you know, respected this fight a hell of a lot more than the Mayweather-McGregor fight. The undercard, the pay-per-view undercard on paper may not have been, may not have the talent that the Mayweather-McGregor pay-per-view card had, but it certainly provided a lot more entertaining fights than the they Mayweather. They loaded up with some young, young fighters too. Like they, they, which we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, the Canelo. I think the Canelo. Cesar Chavez buy rate surprised me so much because, I mean, the, the five previous fights that Canelo did just couldn't crack that one million barrier. You had them all over the place between 300,000 and 900,000. A couple of them hit 900,000, but this one I think is going to do well regardless of Mayweather McGregor. This fight was like, I mean, and had this had that fight not slid in there, being Mayweather McGregor, I think it would have added a, several hundred thousand buys probably. But uh, now I'm very interested to see how the rematch does. I'm very interested to see how casual fans take this judging gap because it wasn't on Triple G, it wasn't on Canelo that this happened. They went out and they had an awesome fight, uh, guys. Make sure you all visit Fightful.com. We have pro wrestling, MMA, boxing news. Uh, exclusives, photos, videos, podcasts. We have forums. We would love to interact with you guys on those forums. On those forums, you can talk uh, movies, TV, music, video games, really anything you want, sports, all kinds of stuff over there at Fightful.com. We've been fortunate enough to interview some of the biggest people in the sport. When CM Punk wouldn't talk to any wrestling websites, he spoke to Fightful.com last year ahead of his UFC fight. CM Punk now undefeated for over a year. Carlos, if you believe that, in the world of MMA. But yeah, I mean, look. Lost. Listen, I, I, for as much as people want to rag CM Punk on, on his UFC yeah. debut, UFC is booking this way better than WWE ever did. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, they, they, they knew what was up there. They put him against the most experienced guy with that record they could. But uh, let's talk about this undercard a little bit. Uh, you had... Uh, Joseph Diaz Jr., Diego De La Hoya, both on this show, and you know what Oscar's doing with Diego. I mean, it's it's very obvious, and we'll get to that. Uh, Rafael Rivera replaced uh, Jorge Lar. Is it Jorge or George Lara? You're the boxing expert here, my friend. Yeah, it's uh, Jorge Lara, and for those of you that weren't really in the know, so what happened was Lara suffered a back injury on Tuesday, and the problem was 
uh, and there was a weird little mix-up because they needed a doctor's note confirming that he had a back injury, but there was no note to speak of. So mm. at the end, they called up, uh, you know, they called up the um, Rivera, Rafael Rivera, uh, and you know, there and he was already training. He had a fight next week. Yeah, he had a fight next week, which. And obviously, he would abandon that fight to take this fight, not just because it's on pay-per-view, but also you have a shot at, you know, fighting for the WBC featherweight title, which is owned by Gary Russell Jr. And, you know, this fight, you know, a lot of people are going to look at this score and thought, my God, Joseph Diaz Jr. just absolutely decimated uh, Rafael Rivera. But no, you know, it, it, the scorecards kind of told half the story. Yes, Diaz won a lot of the rounds, almost all of them, but the, most of the rounds were really, really close. Diaz with the far more active fighter he was more accurate but there were times where ronald rivera really showed a lot of pop in his punch which was weird because this is not a fight because none of these two fighters are traditionally known for their for their hard punching they rarely they probably i think they knocked out maybe half of their competition which at this stage in the career you're now kind of designated as someone who will go the distance and can hit hard but not necessarily have that finishing power so, but it was still a really entertaining fight. Yeah, and uh, he really, Rivera originally wanted to fight Diaz anyway after his second round knockout, like less than two months ago, and was pushed out of the way in favor of Lara. So, I, I get the feeling, you know, it, while he didn't prepare specifically for Diaz, he I wouldn't call him like ill prepared for this situation either. Um, so. Uh, What's what would happen with Lara after this? Does he get back in line? Does he get another opportunity? How does this work? Um, you know, knowing the WBC, I think they will just straight up um, tell Lara to, you know, I guess maybe take a tune-up fight or two because at this point, it's still kind of a little early to see how Lara will bounce back from a back injury because, especially in that in this kind of sport, back injuries are nothing to joke about, and if it's a back injury to take him out of the fight, even if it's just on less than one week's notice, there is some kind of cause for concern. But the, the, um, the WBC will just move forward with Gary Russell Jr. versus Joseph Diaz Jr., which will be a really good fight. Uh, there's actually going to be some questions as to whether it's going to be on Showtime or HBO. So that'll be another fun politics behind-the-scene battle to, to follow because Russell's with Showtime and Joseph Diaz Jr. is with HBO. But that's another story for another day. It's still going to be a really good fight. And... Ricky Rosen Jr. is, you know, for casual fans who don't know, is, you know, he's kind of like on that precipice of maybe top 20, top 15 pound-for-pound boxers in, on my list because Russell, if you haven't seen him, I would recommend watching his last fight back in the spring against Oscar Escondone where Russell just absolutely decimated Escondone and he really showed, like, he, he made a legitimate case of being the best featherweight boxer in boxing right now. So elsewhere on the card, Diego De La Hoya, uh, yeah, obviously showcased. What are the realistic expectations of Diego, and what kind of a performance did you uh, see out of him? You know, I, some some people may think, oh, he's you know he's writing his uh, Oscar's coattails name, but really, for for those that have been following Diego's career for the last couple of years, Diego's no slouch. He is a legitimate prospect. At junior uh, junior bantamweight, and you know this was, in my opinion, his best performance. In this was the type of fight that he needed. 
he needed to fight someone who is not just willing to step back and eat whatever Diego was serving. You know, Randy Caballero really did bring the fight to Diego de la Hoya. Not only did Diego, you know, eat whatever Randy had, but he also dished out a lot of damage. If, you know, if you see, you know, if you can find a picture of Randy's uh, left eye after the fight, it looks really, really bad. Like, massive swelling on the black Diego de la Hoya. At no point did he slow down in the fight. It was, it was an action packed fight and it was kind of a bit of a precursor to Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo and you know Diego's a guy that's being groomed by Oscar for a future world title shot sometime in mid 2018 probably sometime in the summer or in the fall next year he's probably going you know next fight he'll probably be on ESPN maybe headline a Golden Boy Promotions card and I think he'll, he'll I think he'll get a couple of tune-up fights before he seriously start going for the for the WBO featherweight title, I, I'm guessing that's his goal because he's holding the NABO and NABF titles, which is usually, you know, the stepping stone before you get to the WBO title. What else on this card uh, would you like to point out? Um, there is actually, yeah, there is actually the, the opening fight. Uh, really quickly, the opening fight. It was uh, a really bizarre fight. It was... Ryan Martin and, and I'm, I'm forgetting right now I'm blanking out on uh, on his opponent's name uh, Francisco Rojo Francisco Rojo it was a really weird fight because Ryan Martin is this really tout, highly touted prospect a lot of people were excited to see him and he won via split decision but my goodness early on in the fight I didn't think Ryan Martin looked good at all he he was very passive he was he was an incredibly tall and lanky person for his weight and he was just landing low blows throughout the fight and he got worn numerous times which is and it's kind of weird he's the type of fighter who a lot of people thought he could be something but you know he doesn't know how to fight as a tall fighter he needs to work on his issues uh connecting with the low blows but it was a weird fight. The action picked up late in the in the second half of the fight. But, uh, you know, Ryan Martin won, but he didn't really impress anybody. I honestly, this was one of those cases where you won, but your stock went down a lot. So also uh, talk me through the Billy Joe Saunders fight really quickly. Well, uh, for those of you that are that didn't know, so Billy Joe Saunders is the WBO middleweight champion. He's the, He basically holds the last... Uh, major world title that Gennady Golovkin so desperately wants because he wants to hold all four world titles. He owns three of them. And Billy Joe Saunders was fighting William Monroe Jr., who previously fought Golovkin, and Golovkin absolutely decimated. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders beat... Actually, no, before I get to the fight, for those of you that weren't aware, and we did kind of reference this early in the fight. So yesterday, in the weigh-ins... Billy Joe Saunders and William Monroe were, you know, they were posing after they scaled in and they both made weight. And then Billy Joe Saunders' kid wanted to pose between his dad and William Monroe. And then out of nowhere, when, you know, William Monroe just, you know, pats the kid's head. And then Billy Joe Saunders' kid just decks him in the nuts and then kicks him in the shin. And, and everyone was like, whoa, what just happened? And everybody and a lot of sides were pretty upset with that. Frank Warren, the uh, the promoter, was not happy with that. Uh, Bill Joe Saunders won the fight via unanimous decision. He did apologize for uh, for the 
for the attack on, on Monroe's family jewels. But overall, Saunders looked okay. He didn't, he didn't look spectacular. He, you know, he's fought a smart fight, but it wasn't the type of fight that you thought, you know, if he can, he can fight smart against Golovkin or Canelo, he, he has a chance. I don't think he really stands a chance. And a lot of people really, and I've been saying this for a long time, Saunders is not a great champion. He, you know, since he won the title in late 2015 against Andy Lee, he only defended it twice, once against Arthur Akavov, a guy he should have absolutely destroyed, instead went to a somewhat close unanimous decision. And then he was supposed to, and then, I don't know, and before he, this fight, he was supposed to fight Aftandil Kurtzisa, and I, sorry if I butchered the name, but it's kind of a weird name to pronounce. Uh, he was supposed to, that, those who were supposed to fight in July until Aftandil uh, was, was arrested for being a part of the Russian mafia. And so, and before that, Billy Joe Saunders was like, yo, Golovkin, I demand that you fight me. And everybody literally laughed off at that thinking that, uh, for, because Saunders thought he had any lever leverage and making a fight with Golovkin happen. I don't want to say he's a paper champion, but he's, but a lot of people are starting to they, uh, think that he's not exactly the best champion possible. Like, I, I've been saying this for a long time, uh, even before 2017 started. If Miguel Cotto wants to end, uh, have a fight with Canelo or Triple G, he should move up in weight and go fight Billy Joe Saunders for the WBO title because that is a fight I think Cotto can win, and that properly sets up Cotto Golovkin or Cotto Canelo too. It's not going to happen. Uh, Cotto can, um, Saunders is not going to happen, but, you know, Saunders, you know, with every fight, with every day, he's not, you know, more and more people are starting to not be impressed with him, and he really needs to get a good signature win, and Andy Lee in 2015 is not going to cut it in late 2017. Also, anything else you'd like to add uh, before we go? Uh, really, uh, two things really quick. One, uh, I've mentioned this numerous times on the newsletter how ESPN and Top Rank are having uh, just signed a deal, and it's great for the sport because now we're getting extremely high-class boxing world championship fights on ESPN, which is always great. December 9, we're getting Vasya Lomachenko versus Guillermo Rigondeau. That, after Golovkin, Canelo, and Joshua Klitschko, that's the fight of the year because, you're, first of all, you're talking about the first time, uh, the first ever fight between two Olympic gold medalists, and I'm not talking about both guys won Olympic gold medalists. Both guys won two Olympic gold medals each, and that fight's going to be at the at the Garden. I will tr absolutely try my best to cover the fight, uh, to go to the fight at the Garden to cover for Fightful. That's going to be an amazing fight, and it's going to do insane ratings. That and really quickly, because there was a, there were two title fights, uh, World Boxing Super Series, Caleb Smith defeat Eric Skoglin to advance to the super middleweight semifinals. Uh, I recommend checking that fight out because that's a really, really good fight. And then early in the morning, I, I, said, I think I kind of mentioned this really quickly. Uh, in the Philippines, there was a fight between uh, Milan Melendo and Hecky Butler for the IBF Junior Flyweight title. We're talking, I think, 108 pounds. And this was, and I, and I saw this fight like right before I started covering the Santos fight. That fight was probably one of my favorite fights ever. 
And what happened, you know, Melendo retained the title via split decision, but he made an unbelievable comeback after getting cut once in the right eye and then get through clinch offense and then getting cut with a Hecky Butler punch in the left in the other eye. And then we saw the, and then the entire Philippines crowd was chanting Milan's name and he just bounced back and knocked down uh, Hecky Butler in the final round. And it, this was about as close to like uh, a pro wrestling pay-per-view fight uh, main event where the baby face is getting worked because he has an injury and the crowd just absolutely chants his name and they're, and the baby face just bounces back and scores a victory. This might've been my favorite fight of the year. And, you know, honestly, as far as junior flyweight performance are concerned, Milan Melendo probably may have had an all-time great performance against Hecky Butler. So I highly recommend watching that fight. Uh, if you want to know more about that fight uh, and you can't find it, I did write an article on it. And it's already up on Fightful.com. So a uh, little cheap plug for that article. Somebody asked if Orlando is back and up and running after Irma. A little bit. It's still it's still coming along. But, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful city. I'm all too excited to go home uh, tomorrow, though. Guys, you can follow me at Sean Rossap. Follow Carlos at Carlos uh, Toro360 on Twitter. Our great coverage over at Fightful.com. Please subscribe. Leave us a thumbs up. Uh, yeah, guys, until next time, we are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.